Ah. Hmm. Oh. Hey, I'm sorry about that, Coach. Set your line for PM instead of AM? Yes, sir, Steve Kerr. Thank you. Still, you got down here pretty quick. Yeah, well, you know, I think a fella should only take as long as the tune Easy Lover by Phil Collins and Philip Bailey to get dressed in the morning. Makes sense. Yeah. Woo! It is a beautiful Saturday, and we are playing Sheffield Wednesday. A.K.A. the Owls. Yeah, how about that? Hey, you never finished your joke. What joke? What does a British owl say? All right. Woo! Woo! Worth the wait. Welcome to another episode of the Revisited Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Lavender. This <laughs> this week we're covering Ted Lasso, season one, episode five, Rainbow. You stole my joke. I was going to say, it's funny because this episode was almost called Lavender. It was, um, well, no, that's my name this week is <laughs> Lavender. Uh, yeah, because Kristen didn't realize the episode was called Rainbow. Seriously, in my notes. It's in my notes. Why is this called Lavender? Why? Because <laughs> that was two episodes ago. Yes. One of my notes is, this episode should be called Rainbow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's worse, though, because you said that you asked your husband, you asked Dave, like, why is this episode called Lavender? He said, I don't know. He didn't realize either that it's well, not called Lavender. you know, sometimes we're not very smart. <laughs> sometimes. This episode is, it's the second highest rated episode of the season. <laughs> and I feel like it's for good reason. Because yes, while there are some elements of this episode that are rough, like the whole Nate of it all. Putting that aside. The whole Nate of it all. <laughs> this, putting that aside. This is probably one of my favorite episodes of the season. I don't feel that way. All right. Well, we'll get into it. Um, but I do have to say real quick uh, that by the time we record next week, I will have been in the building with Brett Goldstein. That is very, very, very cool. I'm I am so jealous. excited. This coming week, I am uh, Brett Goldstein's tour is hitting Philly, and I am I have tickets to the show, so I'm he going to his show this week. Better do a Christmas Carol. If he doesn't, man, I don't know if he does the Muppet Christmas Carol during it or not. But see, like, and I don't know what to expect because he is a uh, comedian, yeah. but I've never really known him to do stand up. I know he has, so I I feel like this is going to be a combination of stand up and storytelling. Good. And I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I can't wait. I'm so excited to see his show. And I'll I'll do a recap of it next week. I can't wait. I think it's good. I can't wait to hear about it. Are you going to try and uh, meet him? I They weren't offering meet and greets. And I, I did reach out to his publicist, but I never got a response. So there's probably uh, a lot of people that want that. Yeah. So I, I don't know. He He's of the ilk that he doesn't really have to do publicity if he doesn't need to. Yeah. Um. And there are some people that are like that. There are some people that are 
you know, I'm going to wait because I do have a connection to the to the the number one morning show here in Philly. And usually anytime they bring in a large guest in studio and I know about it, I usually can just text and be like, hey, can I come in? Like, it's how I met Eddie Izzard. It's how I met Billy Bob Thornton. Like, usually it's because I knew they were coming into studio and yeah. I just texted and be like, hey, can I hey. happen to just come in? <laughs> so if I do get word that Brett will be in studio this week, I, I'm, of course, I'm going to shoot my shot and I'm going to be like, can I come in studio this week? You'll be able to. We'll see. We'll see. Have they ever uh, said no to you? Uh, No, but I haven't asked in a while. Ah, so we we shall see, although I might send an email tonight and just be like, hey, is Brett going to be in studio this week? Because if he is, can I can I come in? Can I come? Can I come in? Can I come in, please? <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so this episode, as you mentioned, Rainbow, a.k.a. not Lavender. <laughs> uh, Lavender is in the col- in the rainbow at some point. Is it? Well, I mean, well, it could be as it fades of. in and out of colors, you know. Uh, I do want to say that uh, I do want to say that I am on a different computer this week, and I don't know how to shut off my notifications. So if you hear a dinging in the background, I apologize. <laughs> Has it happened over the time we've been talking? Several times. Oh, I haven't heard it at all. Thank goodness. Yeah. So I think you're. I think you're good. Okay. Good. Yeah. I, I keep watching. Um, I'm on my Mac instead of my regular computer that I use to podcast, and uh, and this happens when I'm teaching too. Is my my computer is like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and everybody's yeah. like, Miss Halberg, you can't have your phone, and I'm like, I don't. It's my computer. I don't know how to turn this off. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I have a lot of notes about this episode. Okay, um, or at I least don't a lot have of, as many, so that's good. Or at least a lot of bullet points. But I will say. Um, uh, before we get into it, let's just say, obviously, as we usually do, this is, uh, we try to avoid spoilers as much as we can, because we know there are a lot of people that are watching for, watching for the first time. So especially if you want to av- New Zealand. Yes. Hi, Anwen. And not only that, like, I don't know if they're listening to the podcast, but my sister just started watching Ted Lasso for the first time. Oh, yay. And my friend Rob and his wife, Kat, just started watching Ted Lasso for the first time. And the reports from both of them are they absolutely love the show. That's awesome. But as I was uh, mentioning, if you are watching for the first time and you want to avoid spoilers, uh, we will do a spoiler full section at the end. Just check the show notes for the times. This one then, will have a chunky little yeah. uh, spoiler section. Just yeah. to let you know. There's a, there's a bunch that happens in this that we'll, we'll talk about later. Uh, so just check the show notes to find out when to come back in for when we talk about our favorite quotes, which I have a lot of those too. Um, it's so funny because last week when we were talking about Carol the Bells, you had mentioned because, you know, Love Actually is a big proponent of that episode. And you were mentioning like how you're not a rom-com fan. And I was like, a well, big reason why I'm not a fan of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I was watching this episode and I forgot how many rom-coms are nodded to oh throughout the entire gosh, episode. I was like, well, so Kristen's going to love this episode. It's so cheesy. Oh my gosh. It took me out of the show to be really? quite honest. It took me right out of the episode. All those nods to all the rom-coms. I'm sorry. It's just so over the top cheesy. I was so like, come 
on. Can we please move on from this? I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I hated it. it. I hated it. I hated it. And the whole time I'm like, you know, this episode would be a lot better and probably 10 minutes shorter if we took out all the rom-com references. Like it was, it relied so heavily on rom-com, uh, nods and lines and everything like i'm like can we have just a little bit of originality please please wow okay yeah Tell i was how you I, really feel i did i i told you i wasn't really a fan of this episode i don't can, like rom-coms i don't like them can i <laughs> Can I tell you, I did discover one thing about this episode that I had no idea, uh, no idea about it all. And when I found out about it, I kind of got a little emotional, like uh, happy emotional. What? Um, oh, is H- it about Higgins? It's about Higgins. Yeah, I do I like this. I do like this. I didn't realize it, but the story he tells about how he's been married to his wife for 29 years. I didn't realize the actress that plays his wife is his real life wife. His wife, yeah. And they've actually been married for 29 years. I know. I know. Dave found that out last night when we were watching it. And it just, the Higginses are my favorite. They're my favorite. I love that family so much. From like his ringtone to, you know, the whole story. We mentioned because we heard a couple episodes. And she ago, showed up all in blue. I know, and it was that part of the song. <laughs> yep that that was it. Yep. Um, but we mentioned earlier, you know, a couple episodes ago, we heard Higgins's ringtone for the first time, and I had mentioned it's "She's a Rainbow" by the Rolling Stones. And then this one, it's kind of it's revealed because we hear it again, and and Rebecca calls him out on it, like your ringtone is "She's a Rainbow," and he tells that just absolutely sweet story about how he met, you know, Mrs. Higgins yeah. and it was pouring a beer on his head. But he's playing stand-up bass. Can you just yeah. see him playing stand-up bass and throwing the beer on his Yeah. Head? And how she was the one that wasn't laughing at him and handed him the, the dirty towel and he married her. You know, they've been married for 29 years. It's an absolutely adorable, touching story about this marriage that we've seen so much of so far in the season. And then just to top it all off, I found out afterwards that that is actually his wife. Yeah. And they've been married for 29 years. I was like, that's just. See, you don't need a rom-com for a sweet story. That's a real story. It's so cute. I did. You want to know how I discovered that? Was I was looking. Well, well, yeah, it was, it was, it was on IMDb, but it was because I was researching whether or not the elderly couple we see later in the episode. Uh, I wanted to see if that story was real. Was it? No, it's not. Um, it's an homage to when Harry met Sally. Um, oh, you mean like when, um, when Ted says, "I'll have what he's having." No, no, no. That when the no, I'm saying like there, that's another nod to when yes, Harry met Sally. That's another episode. That's another nod to when Harry met Sally. Um, I have a I have a full list of all the references. Great. Um, but the but when they break the fourth wall and they're talking about like the litigation oh, yeah, about yeah. Titanic and everything, I was like, is that real? Are these people really in litigation with like Titanic because of their story? And It'd it's not. Hilarious. It's just a. It's just a nod to when Harry met Sally. And Titanic. And Titanic. Another. Yeah. Um, not a comedy. <laughs> no. And and what's funny is that some of the some of the romantic comedy nods are some of them are very in your face, clear as day what they are. Some of them are a little 
hidden. Like some of them are a little under the radar and not as not as like uh, uh not as obvious. I will tell you that my favorite my favorite thing about my, or one of my favorite little tidbits about the movie or about the um episode is that Ted does make a comment about how uh the team is at the halfway point of their story and this episode is the exact halfway point of the series. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Season two, episode five. Yes, it sure is. No, it's not because there are 12 episodes this season. Still, it's the same. <laughs> so it's, we're close to halfway. It's not the exact close halfway enough. point. Now, okay, so if you take out the two filler episodes in Cairo the Bells and Beard After Hours, then yes, yeah. we are at the halfway point. Okay, so... Considering that they originally wrote this season as 10 episodes, then yes, we are at the halfway point of the story originally. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so much rom communism in this. (laughs) Terrible. Absolutely horrid. However, we do get a lot of really good stuff in this episode. We get a new coach. Introducing Coach Kent. Oh, what an entrance. Uh, it's, oh God. Uh, it's, when I, he I've, punches his knee like that, though, I just like every every part of my body wants to retch up the last meal. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's that is one of my so that is one of my favorite parts of this episode. And I was going to save it for later, but I'll just bring it up now since we're talking about it, because everybody who listens knows we jump around a lot. A little bit. <clears throat> that. That moment when he crunches his knee back and you could see the security guard that's there audibly heard it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> he turns around with this look on his face like, oh, like it was painful. But the next moment when the camera is behind Roy. Yeah. And we get that whoosh and he stands up straight. I like audibly was like, fuck. Yes. Like. Roy was not going to walk out in front of that crowd in pain. No, he, he's Roy, Roy was going Kent. to be Roy. He yep. is Roy Kent. He's here. He's there. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yeah. Roy Kent. <laughs> Roy Kent. Yeah. He, when he, when we get that whoosh and the slow motion standing up straight, I was like, God, I love this moment. Like, and then he walks out on the field. You know who didn't love that? Me. You know who didn't love that moment? Nate. Nate. (laughs) (laughs) But just like I, I, this is, this is the Roy that we get for the rest of the series. Like Coach Kent is, he has hit his close to final form for this series. There's still some learning Roy has to do. He has a lot of learning to do. Okay. <laughs> he's got a, he's poor Roy. He's got some stuff. He's got some stuff. It, and, but, you know, we watch but, it happen. But I am looking forward to Roy, Coach Roy and Protege Tart. Jamie. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Protege Tart. Protege it's, Tart. <laughs> it's, it's such a great moment because we get, you know, the whole rom-com thing, part of that moment aside with the you had me at coach, which is, what? I I love that moment. I don't care. We're going to be at odds a lot. I'm episode. so sorry, but <laughs> it it's because it was so obviously about to be said by him. It was so obviously about to be said by him that I said it with him. 
you had I me do at too, but only, but only I had only because I had heard it before. But putting putting that aside, it's it's such a great moment because we see Roy with that whoosh stand up straight with this confidence and exuding this confidence as he's walking out because he's Roy fucking Kent walking out in front of that crowd, accepting the role of coach with Ted beard like draw job like jaw droppingly. <laughs> I loved that. When he says you had me at coach and Beard's draw just drops. Oh, he's but, <laughs> but then walking past Beard, walking past Nate, one of the final things we see before the camera zooms out is Roy standing there and he's just kind of taking in like these deep breaths, as in like, okay, here we go. Cause this is new to Roy. He's never been in this position before. It's also about to be headline news everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Including the pundit show he just walked off the set. <laughs> and you know what? I'm so glad because I'm done with their old coach. I'm done with that guy. What do you mean? The the guy that Oh, George? Yes, thank you. Yeah. I'm just he, he's just never had anything nice to say about Richmond anyways because he was fired, you know? Yeah. Well, it's I, it's it's in my list of quotes too. Like just Roy pulls no punches against anybody. And it's one of my favorite things about him. I thought he was going to cry in that last moment. I thought he was going to be crying. Roy Roy Kent again. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't think he he wanted to be, but he got all emotional when he was like talking right before he like, he left the the set. And I'm just like, Oh, you sound a little choked up there, Roy. You don't want (laughs) to be another gif. You don't want to do it. (laughs) But even, when he says, hold on, I think I, oh yeah. When in the beginning of the episode, when he's on the show and he's talking to George and George says, you know, under Ted Lasso, Richmond, well, they're like a woman behind the wheel, completely lost. <laughs> George, <laughs> didn't you lose your license drink, <laughs> drunk driving? That was an allergic reaction to my medication. <laughs> oh, the same medication that made you piss your pants. <laughs> <laughs> As as much as it, w- it was something he wasn't meant to do, he was still good at it. Right. Well, that's what the that's what the kebab guy was saying. I was really good at being a doctor. I was really good at it. I was good at cutting stuff up. It's not what I was meant to do. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of how I feel. Um, you know, for a really long time, I thought. You know, I'm a really, and I'm just going to say this, and, and it may sound arrogant to some people, I'm a really good singer. I train in opera. I've been to Europe. I've been in a ton of choirs. I've done a lot of singing my whole life. I'm a really good singer. And I thought I should be a singer, but that's not what I was meant to do. And I'm totally fine with that now, you know, because right now I'm teaching and honestly, this is what I was meant to do. 100% what I was. And I fought it for a really long time. I thought there's no money in it. It's unbelievably regulated. Education is going somewhere really negative. And I've been thinking that even before education was looking like the way that it does right now, which is Mm -hmm. God awful. Um, And I still, when I'm in a classroom, I don't, even if I'm not prepared for that day, I still feel this is what I meant to do. You know, it's hard to come to terms with something like that when you thought you had a different idea of yourself to begin with. 
It's, it, you know, it's funny that you say that too, because like I've kind of gone like the similar journey and again, not to sound arrogant about any of it. Um, cause I don't think it is, you know, it's, it's your own personal perspective of yourself. I growing up always wanted to be an actor. Like I, I did drama in high school and in college I did stage plays and I, I was good at it. Like I yeah. got, I auditioned, I got lead roles, you know, I was leads in, in all through high school. I was leads in college. And I was like, well, this is uh, like theater or something in front of the camera is what I really want to do. And then mm-hmm. I, I I did a little bit of it. And then the more I journeyed down that path of entertainment, the more I got, I felt I was more comfortable. And this kind of goes into podcasting and everything, too. I was more comfortable having conversations with people about mm-hmm. the craft yeah. than being a part of the craft. Yeah. Like interviewing people, moderating panels and stuff like that. And now like I've gotten to a point where like I'd much rather do this. Yeah. I'd much rather have conversations with these people which leads me to journalism. Yeah. Podcasting, interviewing, review movie reviews, things like that. This is more what I was meant to do. I was yeah. not meant to be in front of the crowd. Although I am when I moderate. <clears throat> I was more meant to kind of like address the crowd if that makes sense it totally makes sense and it's when i i don't know i i I really think that once we start doing what we were meant to do things kind of like fall in place for us and things start to get life starts to get easier Mm -hmm. you know so it's nice to see roy come to terms with the fact that he may be really good at being a pundit it may be a really easy job that he really there's no potential for growth for him as a pundit all he's going to do is sit around and talk about players like and and he and it's so funny because he hated these guys when he was a player he yeah. hated being talked about he hated being written about um you know we're going to learn a lot of that when um we get more Trent Krim later you know yeah. um so for him to move into a coaching spot i can see how that can be something that you that someone would fight who used to be a player, you know, to be a coach. It, it, you know, it's that whole old adage for those who can't do teach, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't want to be locked into that. But what a gift it was for for Ted to give to Roy to give him McAdoo. You know, please fix the captain that you, Roy Kent, appointed because you, Roy Kent, saw something in McAdoo that obviously nobody else did. So fix him. And Roy knew exactly what to do. And I think that that kind of success and that kind of feeling that he got watching that success on the field from something that Roy did really got those juices flowing. Oh, oh, I can do this. Oh, this is something that I might actually be good at. And the opportunity to to coach under t- Ted, who may not know anything about the game, which is where Roy comes in because he knows everything about the game, but Ted knows how to be a coach. Mm-hmm. He knows how to get a team together. And that's a gift that not everybody has. That, well, yeah. And what a what what a what an opportunity for Roy to learn under Lasso. Yeah, it's it's a good example of what you mentioned is that as a pundit, there's really no room for growth for Roy. He is in a stalled position at that point. Right. It's it's as high as he's going to go. He's just going to be a pundit if 
as long as he be, as long as he stays a pundit, that's all he's ever going to be. Mm-hmm. Is he's just going to be a pundit? There's no room for growth. But you're right. He now, as a coach, he has the ability to learn how to coach from Ted, mm-hmm. who's somebody who's done it before. But he's now in a position of comfort because he mm-hmm. realizes this is something that he missed, and now he gets to be a part of it again. Yes. And it's and going to the whole Ted of the whole thing. You're right. Like what a gift of, for Ted to do it. There's a moment when he says, you know, when when Ted, when Roy says to Ted, like, do you really think I'm going to fall for this shit? And Ted's like, fall for what? He's like, you're trying to get me to come back to club and coach. It won't work. And Ted says, Roy, I've got zero interest. Excuse me, nil interest <laughs> in making you do something that ain't in your heart. That line right there is because Ted knows this is in his heart to do this. Yep. So he knew not, what to do. Yep. Uh, Ted's and, excitement and the fact at, that at being did. able to keep score during that game <laughs> was the best part of the episode. Well, Can I keep a, score? Woo-hoo-hoo. And that is a learning moment for Ted, too, because he's like zero, zero, nil, 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 nil. Like, nil, nil. <laughs> he's still learning about the game. This is Roy and Ted learning from each other. Yeah, in he's this learning moment. how to coach. Ted's learning about the game. Yeah, absolutely. It's there's absolutely. so much greatness that comes from the Roy Kent side of this episode. And Sorry, Nate. Oh, we'll get to Nate. Sorry, Nate. Trust me, we will get to Nate. But oh. yeah, like there's just I I love the Roy Kent element of this episode. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite moments of that whole thing with Roy meeting up with Ted and McAdoo. Um, it makes me laugh every single time is when they're going looking for Roy and Ted's like, I'll text him. And he's literally right oh. in front of them. And he glows. <laughs> and his face glows from underneath, which and is they're a... they're both terrified of him. <laughs> when they jump, because like, it's like, if you've ever gone camping, like, and you tell campfire stories, it's that whole, you hold the flashlight under your face and it adds like a, like a scary element. And that's what yeah. you got from Roy. It's <laughs> got the glow of the phone underneath out of nowhere. Yeah. It just makes <laughs> Ted and McAdoo scared. Like it frightens them. Yeah. That was wonderful. I love I, that. I, I, you know, the whole McAdoo storyline in this episode was wonderful as well because gosh how many times do you think that this actually happens to a professional ball player of any sport is that they get so concerned with being a pro player that they forget that they once loved this game as a kid yeah well it's it's a, it's a it's a popular trope in sports movies of the whole being taken to task and going back to your roots like it's mm-hmm. it's been told a number of times throughout sports movies the movie Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg is a prime example to me cuz i i like that it's a very underrated movie that i really like but Mighty there's a movie Ducks. Mighty Ducks exactly like going back to your roots and rediscovering your love for a game to overshadow the professionalism of it all. But one of the things I love about this series is that it takes popular tropes like that that have been done time and time again, and it always puts a refreshing spin on it to make you appreciate the trope again. I like it that they slammed him into the ground in the beginning. Yeah. And he's trying to be like, oh, ow, it hurt. And Roy's like, get up. (laughs) There's no ref here. There's no cameras. Get up. Yeah. 
and you are just, not hurt. <laughs> I, I I love that they they took this trope and they refreshed it and they made it enjoyable and they made yeah. you appreciate the trope again. That's one of the things this show does so well. Yeah, you know what they don't do well? <laughs> Rom com references. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, we, okay, I'm going to put this out there now. When we solicit for feedback next for next week's episode, I I need to hear where you side on this. <laughs> Whether you're siding with me and you enjoy all the references or you're siding with Kristen and you didn't like the references. I think it depends on whether or not people like rom-coms. I, th- I think it does. I really think. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I just, I don't. I, I tried to be a girl. I did. I tried, <laughs> okay? I have daddy issues, okay? And every time I visited my dad, he wanted to see the new action film. So I trained my kid brain to only like action films and quote unquote boy movies. And I turned my whole brain off to rom-coms. And I don't like them. I I like the proposal. I think there are a lot of overused, not to use the word again so much, but there are a lot of overused tropes in rom-coms they are very rarely nowadays do you find one that is kind of original in its concept there's always reused elements of it Mm. i mentioned this when we did i can't remember if it was on this podcast or if it was on movie swap or it was something different but i i i discovered a christmas movie this year that i really enjoyed because it made fun of tropes so much and that was christmas with the campbells with Justin mm. Long um, and uh, and Brittany Snow. And it's written by Vince Vaughn and, and Peter Billingsley. And it just, it pokes fun at so many Christmas movie, love movie tropes. And I really enjoyed it for that reason. Mm-hmm. But I get where you're coming from. Like, there are so many things about rom-coms that have just completely overdone. It's one of the reasons why I make fun of Hallmark movies because it's the same movie over and over again, over just with two different and actors. Over and over again. If you've seen them one, you've seen them all. Yeah. Um, you know, small town girl meets big city guy. Like it's it's ridiculous. And if you enjoy them, fine. It, you're you're totally you have every right to enjoy them. Yeah. They're just overdone. I just don't <laughs> like them. <laughs> yeah. And so I get where you're coming from with the romance tropes. I just think that I, I just like the, I think to me it was more, it was less making, it was less throwing in the romance tropes and more how many movie references can I pick up on Mm. this episode? To me, that was fun. That's all right. So, and even me, like even I didn't, pick up on them all i had to like i actually had to look them up to see how many there were to see which ones i missed yeah um so yeah i i get it you know you don't like rom-coms but again i do want to hear what listeners think yeah and where oh, they no, side I have on. a feeling i'm going to i'm going to lose out on this one but that's okay that's that it's is fine. okay Again, this is the second highest rated episode of the season. Yeah, I, which says people like rom-com. So there yeah. you go. Um, you know, what I did notice is that Roy and Keeley did not have a scene together this episode. Very, ahead, loose, very loosely do they. 
The only scene they have together technically is when Roy comes into the stadium. Yeah, that doesn't count. That doesn't count because they're not in the scene together. They're not together in the scene. They're separated. Yeah. That's like that's like saying you went to the pink concert and you sang with her. Or that's like saying I'm best friends with Brett Goldstein just because I was in the same building. Right. <laughs> right. Which I will be saying next weekend. So yeah. be prepared. That you're best friends. <laughs> you and him are best friends. Roy, no, Brett Goldstein and I hung out, are hanging out next weekend. Oh, yeah. Or this week. That's right. Because we're in the same building. Right. There you go. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of keep it like it was a, it was a great episode for a number of characters. And, you know, we mentioned Ted and we mentioned Roy, but McAdoo himself, this is such a, like seeing him kind of find himself and just discover his love for this game again. And then seeing that completely different McAdoo, like he's not angry anymore. We see him in the beginning of this episode. He's he's angry about the team losing. He's he's putting the blame on a, on a lot of the other team members. You know, he's saying the whole team is playing like shit. We need to stop playing like shit. But then we see a completely different McAdoo post Roy in that he's out there and he's doing all these different handshakes with all the other players and, and dancing like, and dancing and going around the circle. And then he goes over to Ted and Beard and, and Nate and like he does this whole elaborate thing with with Ted and him and Beard are just them shaking hands and bowing. Yes. Yeah. To, to one another. And then he goes to Nate. And he realizes he doesn't have anything with Nate. So he goes and he fixes his tie. Nate recoils against him. Yeah. But Matt like, don't touch me. I'm wearing a suit. But McAdoo kind of like just kind of shrugs it off. He's like, all right, whatever. And then yeah. runs off with a smile on his face. Like right. nothing can bother McAdoo at this point. He's a kid again. Yeah. And I think that if more people had that kind of energy in their everyday jobs and their everyday life, this world would be a little bit, a lot bit of a better place. Yeah. He's he's already this very <clears throat> happy, new love for the game kind of person. Do like I said, doing all these handshakes and everything. But then Roy walks out, and McAdoo sees it. And if you didn't think it was possible, McAdoo's smile gets even bigger. I know, and what a great <laughs> smile he has! Like he just his teeth are perfect. Can we just talk about his teeth for a second? His teeth are perfect. I'm a teeth person, all right? If you have bad teeth, like, I get real weird, okay? <laughs> his teeth are perfect. And he's just smiling and clapping. Like, he does, like, that. it's a huge moment when Roy comes into that stadium. And old McAdoo could have gotten angry that, you know, the focus was taken off the game and off of him and off of this big matchup. But he's just like, yeah. You know, he's just fully celebrating his friend. He's fully celebrating the game. He, you know, if he could have worn tap dance shoes on that field pitch, excuse me, he would have. (laughs) Well, you know, and it's funny that you bring up the whole, like, he's not affected by the fact that the attention isn't on him at that moment. It's on Roy. There's somebody in that moment who is very affected by the fact that the attention is no longer on him, in which it wasn't to begin with. But now he has even less attention on him now, and that's Nate. Which, and you, and it's emphasized by violin music, 
not just violin music because there was already violin music in the right. song. It's the breaking yeah. of the music. <laughs> yeah. It's like, a, well, and it's also, he goes out in his tie, in his suit and tie and he, you know, he's feeling real good, real, real proud of himself. Could have sneezed at any moment. Hold on. <laughs> Excuse me. Wow. Uh, and then, um, I'm just getting, I'm still getting over the flu. So I'm really sorry. <laughs> I sound like I sound. Um, and then, uh, and then when you see him again, you know, he comes out, he looks really sharp. He's all tailored. I mean, obviously this suit was tailored to his body. So he's got a couple paychecks rolling in now. Mm. Um, and he's out there and he's feeling real smart. And then I don't know if you notice this, but when Roy goes and joins the other coaches, he has the big coat on over his suit and he's looking a little schlubby. And I think that that was on purpose. I think that that was meant to make him look like he was uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing almost. Oh, I never noticed he still had the coat on until Roy steps out. He didn't have that coat on. And then, and then it, I don't even know when the coat came on, but it was that big coat that can, it kind of hung on him. Like it was almost too big for him. Almost like he was a little too big for his britches. Anyways, mm -hmm. I just thought of a wolf in sheep's clothing in that moment. So wait, so you're telling me he didn't have the coat on when Roy, before Roy steps out. And then once Roy steps out, he has the coat on? That I don't know. I know that when he went out on the pitch, initially, he went out in just that suit. He did not have the raincoat on. Oh, okay. Uh, that's Yeah, that's interesting because I never really noticed it. I'm actually looking at it now as we're talking. Oh, yeah. He has the coat on as Roy is stepping past. And it looks and it he looks out of place with the coat on over that suit, right? Yeah. Like totally out of place. It looks weird. And I'm checking to see if it's on before that. But I'm going like there's the the montage is Well the No, he has it he has it on the whole time. Even when he, he goes out on the pitch, no. Yeah, when McAdoo goes over to adjust his tie, he's wearing the coat. Is so before yes, I just okay. I have it. I'm watching it right now. You're like it's um, literally something I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> it's, when McAdoo goes over to adjust his tie, the the, the coat is on. Well, and that um, makes sense too. But I did notice that, you know, he did look a lot smaller. He looked a little schlubbier. He like it was that was definitely something that I believe was on purpose. Well, and not only that, but like it's something that I don't think Nate kind of realizes is that like you have coach, you have Ted who's the head coach, you have Beard who's the assistant head coach. You have Nate who is an assistant coach, but he's not the assistant head coach. That's Beard. When Roy comes in and takes his place as a coach, he goes to the back of the line. Yeah. Like Roy knows his place on that coaching staff. He goes to the back of the line, but Nate still is threatened right. by this. Well, because it's Roy Kent. True. You know, and he already was having trouble getting a table at the restaurant. And he even tried to say, I know Roy Kent, you know, like he doesn't. He doesn't know where he fits right mm -hmm. now. And it's very obvious. He also thinks that he is entitled to more than what he deserves. You know, Roy Kent has spent decades of his life on that pitch. He belongs on that coaching staff. Everybody knows he belongs on that coaching staff because he knows the game. Not to mention, I mean, Nate doesn't know this. He's the reason McAdoo is turned around. 
you know? And then you have Ted and Beard who have been coaches their entire professional lives and they, they have earned their spot on that pitch. Well, I mean, and and that's, yeah. And that's just it. Roy put in the time. He didn't, he hasn't not only been there all that time, he put in the work. Yeah. The story that he tells McAdoo is that he grew up in like the slums of of London and every night would go down and practice on that field. And every time that he felt he was pitch, every time he felt he was slumping, that's where he would go back to. Right. He put in the work. Mm-hmm. Nate got promoted as a kit man because he made a couple good suggestions. And then he never put in the work after that. I don't know if you've noticed that, but he hasn't put in any work, but he's put in a lot of opinions and he's had a lot of, and and I mean, he has uh, tried to demoralize the new kit man and he has had a couple of bad suggestions. Um, and then he thinks that he is a good heavy to go and talk to McAdoo. I, I have that in my notes as well, is that Nate thinks he's a big dog. He does. He thinks yeah. he's a big dog. And that's the problem, isn't it? That right there is the problem, is that nobody has slowed down or humbled him or brought him along. I mean, Ted has him on the coaching staff, but I don't think Ted is is mentoring him. And it's very obvious that Ted doesn't think much of him when he laughs at him. And I think yeah. this is the breaking moment. It's Well, I mean, you're right, because I picked up on that too, is that the fact that like Coach knew he was being serious. Like, Coach knew that Nate wasn't joking, but Ted didn't. Ted thought he was joking. He didn't take him seriously when he said, well, I'll do it. Like, thinking of himself as a big dog. And then the moment that Nate, that Ted says to him, like, oh, I think we need to actually get a real big dog. Oof. Nate walks off. Yeah, he go- and, and you see him in the background kind of staring at his desk. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. But what's interesting to me also is that Beard didn't, Beard didn't say anything to Ted. He didn't correct Ted. He didn't say, hey, man, you know, what you just did, that that might have been a problem for Nate. Maybe maybe you should go talk to him. And he didn't tell Nate, hey, man, you know, you need to, you need to show that you are a coach, that you are somebody to be taken seriously. So I think that Beard was kind of at fault here because he, he knew Nate was serious and Ted didn't. Well, not only that, but like there's another moment in this episode, too, that I feel like is kind of undermining Nate. And it's done in a joking way. But if you look at it in a deeper sense, it really is undermining Nate in that by not allowing Nate, by taking the ball out of Nate's whistle, he, in essence, is taking Nate's voice away as a coach. It's a hilarious moment. He's like, no, no, I gave you an inside whistle. He needed an inside whistle. (laughs) Yeah. Because because he was constantly blowing the whistle inside. Um, it's a funny moment, but like if you look at it deeper, like Nate Ted kind of took Nate's voice away. You're completely uh, right. I mean, Ted did do a lot of things wrong um in this episode. And I think that, you know, while it is covered up with comedy, um, it is very serious for Nate. And you know, we don't know how much self-hatred Nate has for himself until probably when he's in that bathroom. It is. That is a weird, but kind of awkward moment. I like that, it when he tries to make himself big. Uh, yes. 
<laughs> well, and I was going to get to that too, in that, like, it, I think that Keely and Rebecca are trying their best to do good by giving Nate this confidence that he never had before. Mm. But in the long run, and it's it's kind of shown not just this episode, but a little bit later as we progress forward, it does more harm than good. Yes. For Nate. Because mm-hmm. this confidence is not, not to say Nate should be timid and conserved like he has been, but this confidence that Keely and Rebecca give to him, he's, Nate is not ready for that level of confidence. Yes, he should have a voice and he should speak up for himself. But the one thing I feel like Nate has always wanted, it's not when, even when he talks to Keely about make me famous, like it's not just to get free stuff and everything. Nate wants clout. He wants power. Yep. And giving him this confidence, you gave him the power to overpower himself. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. He, when he spits on the mirror, he's treating himself how he feels everyone else has been treating him. Yeah. And yes. And then he doesn't clean it up. No, he just leaves it on the mirror. Disgusting. You know, and like even in the next moments when he goes out and he talks to Jade, who we meet Jade this episode, Jade is a. <laughs> extremely unlikable character. And it's not the last we see no, of Jade at all. In this episode and others to come. Yeah. She's extremely unlikable. Yes. But like even when he goes out and he he exudes this confidence to Jade and it gets him the window table. Like and then he starts whistling for his parents to come over and his father oh, over is like I'm not was- a dog, don't whistle. Like, even in that moment, he's been so timid because of his father and the way his father is like, oh, this restaurant, we're only going here because this is the one he complains about the least. Like, it's very clear Nate has daddy issues <laughs> of, yeah. of trying to meet the approval of his father. Yeah. But he has gone from constantly trying to get everybody's approval to whistling to his parents to come over and not letting his father's comment bother him. Like, I'm not a dog, don't whistle. He shakes that off. He has gone from one side of the spectrum to the complete opposite way too fast. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But it's funny because Jay does bring him down a peg when he goes, and I'll take your phone number too. And she's like, no. (laughs) I'm very picky. I'm very picky. I have standards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but like to the point where we go into the next scene, of Nate walking out to the pitch in a suit for the first time. Looking like a fool. That's not how Richmond dresses. That's not how Richmond acts. Yeah. You know, is, he's, he's already out. separating himself. He's well, that's separating why he's, himself. And that's, that's why, why he's, he's doing, doing it. it. Yeah. Right. He wants to stand out. Um, Some people that want to stand out, though, they want to stand out and they do so in the exact wrong way. And, you know, there is nobody helping Nate right now. There, He does not have a mentor. He is forced right now to figure it all out by himself. And that's on Ted. Yeah, Ted made him a coach. Ted should have taken him under his wing. Now, in that scene with Nate walking past Ted, as, Tate, as, as Ted is talking to the doctor and Nate walks past, there's a quote 
that Ted says that I didn't really pick up on before. And then I heard it this time. And for some reason, it really stood out to me. And I actually ended up looking it up. Um, he says to the doctor after Ted walks by, if you are out to describe the truth, leave elegance to the tailor. And I was like, I don't know why this quote is sticking out to me. And then okay. I kind of, I looked into it. Um, it and I, no, it's not a rom-com. This is, we're, we're breaking away from the rom-com. So I'm going to read you. I've, I looked it up. It's a quote by Albert Einstein. Hmm. Um, the meaning of the quote. This quote emphasizes the importance of prioritizing accuracy and truthfulness when conveying information or expressing ideas. It suggests that when the goal is to communicate the truth, it is essential to prioritize clarity and accuracy over embellishment or stylistic flourish. It encourages a straightforward and honest approach to describing reality, leaving the task of embellishment or aesthetic appeal to those who specialize in it. Hmm. I don't know why this quote stood out to me as much as it did. Um, but it continues on. It goes, the quote, uh, th the quote uses the metaphor of a tailor to highlight the distinction between the pursuit of truth and the pursuit of elegance or artistry. Just as the tailor's primary concern is to create a well-fitting garment, an individual seeking to describe the truth should prioritize accuracy, precision, and factual integrity in their communication. This requires a commitment to presenting information objectively without distorting or exaggerating it for the sake of aesthetics or personal bias. That is foreshadowing if I ever heard it. Mm hmm. And like it's it. It means more, I think, coming from Ted. Yeah, because Ted has this ability to kind of see through. Things. He did it with Rebecca in season one. Like he knew the Rebecca he was seeing was not the real Rebecca. Yeah, but he has a blind spot when it comes to Dr. Sharon. And that's his resistance to therapists in general. And that will be explored more, I think. But he does have a resistance to seeing the benefit of Dr. Sharon. Dr. Sharon should have also seen that Nate needed a talk. Yeah. Well, you I mean, see, and, th and, that, and that goes back to my, my whole point. Nobody's paying attention to Nate. Nobody, not even the doctor. Well, I, I, I agree and I disagree a little okay. bit with that, because if you look at this, is another another thing from this quote, it says real life application. Imagine you are a journalist covering a significant news story that has far fetching implications. Your responsibility is to report the facts and present an accurate account of the events to your audience. The truth is of paramount importance in this situation. So in that moment with Ted, right at right before he quotes that line to Dr. Sharon, he is Ted is like complimenting Nate. He's saying how good he looks when he goes out there. Ted is giving Nate a boost to his confidence in a much more nuanced way and less big way that Keely and Rebecca did. Mm. Keely and Rebecca give him like they're giving him this monster present. Like they're telling him, go out there and make your presence known. Like just giving him this extreme boost to his confidence. Whereas Ted is kind of like doing it in more subtle ways. He's trying to build Nate's confidence slowly. How? 
by complimenting him, by telling him he looks good in this suit. But at the same time, he's laughing at him. Well, that's what I, I'm not saying. Right. Ted is not doing things wrong. Right. In this. I think Ted does have Nate's best intentions. Oh, I would definitely agree with that. I'm just seeing it from Nate's perspective at this point. Listen, I'm not a Nate fan. We all know this. Okay. Defending him makes me feel ill. But um, I do see in this episode the cracks. Without going too far into it, I see the cracks. Well, starting from episode one of this season, we have seen the slow roll Mm-hmm. towards the downward spiral that right. Nate is headed down. This episode basically drops it off a cliff. Yep. Oh, yeah. This, Yeah, it's we're finally going to go somewhere with this storyline. Yeah, this this is no longer a slow roll. This hill just this hill downward just got a lot steeper. Yep. For Nate. We're yep. traveling down faster now. Yes. And again, I feel like it is because Rebecca and Keeley in what their intentions were good does more harm than good for when it comes to Nate. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, Oh, Nate, which we're going to talk more about this in spoilers. Yeah. Because there's obviously there's stuff we can't talk about now for people. Um, that have never seen it. Right. I do switching, switching, uh, switching stories just a little bit. I do love, um, Watching Jamie in the background, looking at the express the Nespresso machine. I don't know why, but like everything he did in the background of that one scene, all nonverbal, I thought was just hilarious. I don't know why. He as he's walking out of the locker room and he sees the Nespresso machine, he's like, "Oh, you know, I, I guess we get one of these. This looks fun," and just kind of takes it. He's staring at the box. As he walks off screen. Do you see him though? He looks around first. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure he's not doing anything wrong. He so wants to do better. He so wants to be better. And you just see that. I mean, Phil Dunster really plays Jamie wonderfully in this, in, in a background scene. You know what well, I mean? Even, even look at last week's episode with Carol of the Bells. Like, he 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 clearly <laughs> does not understand Secret what Santa. Secret Santa is, <laughs> but he still goes into the office and says, hey, does anybody have something I can give? Because he still wants to contribute. He still wants to be a part of it, even right. though he doesn't understand it. Right. He's like, and I didn't want to spoil all- the surprise of the Secret Santa. <laughs> and it's the – and it's – the only scene we get of Jamie that episode. We don't even get Just, any Jamie this episode, really. This is the only Jamie we get this episode. Yeah. Well, yeah. because, and I feel like, and I'm I'm going to try and put this as spoiler-free as possible, because we needed Coach Kent to, to progress further. To further his story. It's, it's kind of like, what, I'll, I'll use Hogwarts Legacy as a prime example. Like, okay. you and I are the same kind of people where we'll, we'll play the main story until there are side quests. And then we yeah. do all the side quests. Yeah. And when there are no more side quests, then we go back to the main story. Yes. We needed Coach Kent as a side quest yeah. to complete that side quest to now progress back into the main story. Yes. And and Jamie's story gets a lot better now. Yeah. And um yeah, and and it's away we go with Jamie at this point. But I just, I, I just, God love Phil Dunster for filling up <laughs> the screen time that he did have, really maximizing it. You know, yeah, 
Because he could have just walked on, grabbed an espresso, and walked away, you know? But he didn't. He made a meal out of it, and it was awesome. (laughs) Well, there's a couple characters we don't get anything from this episode. There's no no Sam in this episode. There's no Sam. We see him walking out of the locker room the same exact way. That's it. So... You know, and I love Dan. I love Danny's little bit. He goes, "Oh no, I don't drink coffee." My mom said when I was born, I was born caffeinated. <laughs> I love Danny Rojas so much. He was said he was a golly. I can't imagine that show without him. Without Danny Rojas, yeah, Danny Rojas, well, man. It's it's weird because like anytime a new player comes in, like Jan. Like, like like so like when when Danny comes in we automatically love Danny when Jan comes in we we love Jan I I don't want to say we only say love any- Jan after Sam sticks up for him though he's just Dutch he's just Dutch <laughs> well yeah because other than that he seems like kind of like a little bit of a dick until right exactly him kind of like puts a little I like puts a little realization on it <laughs> there there is a character in season three. In the form of a new player who comes in. Oh, yeah. That we'll get to. Yeah. <laughs> that is not exactly the same feeling as, like, say, Danny or Jan. No, because he doesn't belong there. But that, yeah, that's that's different. But um, I do like it that, that in the, going back to the beginning of, of the episode, when they're watching the game tape, and McAdoo starts yelling at Jan, and Jan's like, yeah, man, I I really messed up there. I, I played yeah. terribly. He's like, don't argue with me. And then he realizes, oh, I don't know how to yell at him. He, he agreed. Jan, Jan is honest with himself. He's honest with everybody else. He's just, he's Dutch. He is, I, and those who know will get this, he is the Drax of this. Of the team. Of the team. 100% he is the Drax of the team. Yes. And I am nothing... invisible to the naked eye. <laughs> I love that scene so much. Hi, Drax. Oh, hi, Drax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. No, but you're right. And then, and then, like, even after that, too, in that whole scene in the locker room as they're watching the tape, like, Ted goes into the whole thing about how, like, you know, the haunt, the, uh, the dark forest is always the middle point of the story because you always come out of the forest by the end of it. He does this whole speech about it, and McAdoo's immediately re- immediate response is, "You heard him. We need to stop playing like shit." Yeah, <laughs> because he doesn't know how to react yet as a team captain. Right, like he just wants to blame. And, like his way of making everybody better is to blame. Mm-hmm. And it takes Roy to kind of shake him out of that. Well, he's the captain. He needs to take accountability. This is his team now, you know? Yeah. If you're the captain, you're going to wear the captain band. You've got to be the captain. Yeah. You know? And I think that McAdoo finally finds his footing by the end of this episode. And McAdoo is just phenomenal the rest of this, the rest of this series. You know, he he finds his footing. He is a wonderful team leader and yeah. he proves it over and over again. He is from this point going forward, he is the captain of this team. He is the captain of this team. And what a great choice. I never would have chosen him in the beginning. And I'm just so glad that Roy Roy did. I think I think a lot of people would have assumed Sam because 
Mm. You know, like he's he's a player who was taken from defense to offense. He was made an offensive player, and he does have a nice rapport with the rest of that team. So I think he's a lot so of- respectful. He's so kind. He's yeah, so yeah. empowering and uplifting. And Sam is all the good things that a person can be wrapped up into a Nigerian prince. Yeah, except the good Agreed. kind of Nigerian prince, not the kind that takes your money. Um, breaking off of of this and going back to Higgins for a minute. There's. Uh, there's something that happens in this episode that I absolutely love and that we get mention of AFC Wrexham. Oh yeah. Ryan Reynolds. When he, he talks about Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney and they, you know, he's like, well, I, I didn't take the call cause I don't know if they're being serious yet <laughs> or not. And we know now at this point for anybody who, who knows, fo- follows the team, they are incredibly great owners. They put a lot of passion and love into that team, but one of my favorite things that came out of this episode, because I remember this happening, so I had to look it up, is that Ryan and Rob responded to that after this episode released on Apple. Were they mad? No. Oh, so good, good, good. They po- Rob McElhenney posted this. I'll read it. Rob McElhenney posted this on Twitter with the line, you left us no choice, and tagged Apple TV Plus and Ted Lasso in it. And it is a memo from the desk of... Uh, R.R. McReynolds, which is Robin Ryan, says, Dear Apple TV Plus, it has come to our attention that in a recent episode of Ted Lasso, our very real ownership of Wrexham AFC was called into question by an otherwise beloved character named Higgins. While we hold the incomparable Jeremy Swift in no ill regard and are honored to be mentioned on the platform that's brought us high quality programming ranging from Mythic Quest Season 1 to Mythic Quest Season 2, <laughs> that's Rob Show, we must insist that you cease and desist from casting any doubt regarding our commitment to the club, the fans, and the entire Rexham community. <laughs> to avoid legal action, Please send two large boxes of Ted Lasso's biscuits to the racecourse ground, <laughs> Mold Road, Wrexham, LL11, United Kingdom, before the Wrexham AFC season begins on Saturday, August 21st at 3 p.m. <laughs> Believe, signed Robin Ryan. That's aw- Tell me that they got the biscuits. Did they get the biscuits? Um, Hold on. Uh, because says, I hear that the biscuit recipe was god-awful. It said... Which they've released it too, by the way. Um, Apple TV did respond and says, Thank you so much for your reasonable arbitration request, Rob. Our <laughs> team of 2,000 lawyers are furiously baking as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. So, God, I, my, I love Higgins. My favorite part of that too is uh, uh, brought us high quality programming ranging from Mythic Quest Season 1 to Mythic Quest Season 2. So funny. <laughs> But I love that that was brought up and it was actually addressed outside of the show. Of course it was. Yeah. Especially when one of them is employed by Apple TV. Yeah. And and Rob and Ryan, like I just, again, it's just (laughs) Rob's a freaking, or Ryan's a marketing genius. I mean, if you see some of the stuff that he's done. Uh, Let's see. I'm ready for spoilers. Well, I, there's a, there's a little bit more um, that I have. We haven't talked about Rebecca and Keely and banter yet. Um, That's I'm that I'm saving for spoilers. Okay, there's one thing that happens in that scene with Rebecca replying and Higgins. Well, in that scene, this is just me nitpicking, like behind the scenes stuff. In the moment where Rebecca is replying to the message on banter. And she says, love, I suppose. 
if you watch Rebecca's fingers, she never hits O. So you know that was pre-programmed into the phone to, to happen. As you see her fingers moving, as suppose is coming up, which has an O in it, her thumb, I'm watching the O furiously. I'm like, her finger never touches O. Well, to be fair, Apple phones have a mind of their own. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm looking enough. at my notes from when I was typing them for this episode, and um, they have Keely turned into uh, Keely turned into relay. I think, yeah, relay. And uh, instead of saying the rom com energy is so cheesy, it says Tuesday rom com energy is so cheesy. <laughs> So, I mean, it's the, I, I think maybe it was just the uh, autocorrect. Prop, yeah. Oh, or okay, auto-finish or whatever. I like it, it when she be. throws the phone across the, uh, across the room. I have done that. Uh, me too. We all have. <laughs> when you, you send a message that you know you don't want to read the reply. Yeah. So you just throw the phone or turn it upside down so that you can't see the screen. I love it that she shoved the whole cookie in her mouth too <laughs> in that moment. My um, other favorite part about that whole thing was when Higgins, Higgins says... I never read over someone's shoulder. <laughs> I have five boys. <laughs> um, I love we get closure on something this episode. And that is we find out the punchline of the joke. Yes, we do. <laughs> and it was, as Beard says, worth it. Worth it. Yep. I have that as a, as one of my quotes, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, <laughs> it's one of my other, I have like two more, three more things and then we'll, we'll go on to, uh, we'll go into spoilers. Um, I love the picture of George went in the kebab place because it is another nod to Ted, to Jason Sudeikis. Cheers uncle, to cheers the George. We, we talked about that. George went is his uncle, yep. but I love the fact that the kebab place is treated as a church to yeah. Roy. Excuse me, I have to pray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me pray on it. And then even Ted, when he gets up, he leaves money for his kebab, but he calls it contributing to the contri- uh, to the yeah. plate. <laughs> and then as he's leaving, he does the sign of the cross. Yes, he does. he's getting up and he's leaving. Well, this place is ruined for me now. I got to tell you, man, I wanted that kebab. I, I See, I hear kebab and I instantly go to... Um, that one of my favorite scenes of Parks and Rec is when Chris Traeger takes Ron Swanson to meditate and it's next to a Greek restaurant. Mm. And when they're mm. done, he's like, he's like, we can go back. He's like, but I saw a, a turning slab of meat in that restaurant and I want to go eat the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I've, that... never had, I've never had a kebab or a gyro. Oh my God. Or a gyro. gyro. Yeah. Yep. It is. Go get a gyro and make sure it's lamb. And get extra tzatziki sauce and enjoy every bite of it. It okay. is so freaking good. It is so freaking good. And they just slice that meat right off. Right off. It's just, ooh, yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Maybe I will make that a, uh, I don't know, a, a primary objective for sometime this week. Do it. Maybe. I've been craving Indian food again, too. So I, I, I never food. had Indian food. Really? Nobody ever I, wants to eat it with me. Oh. Uh, I have to come I, up to, to PA. Yeah. 
I enjoyed it. I had it for the first time last year and enjoyed it. I remember you documented it very well. I did. I, did. I documented it on social media. Uh, the only other thing. Um, Gosh, I, I'm hungry. I, I, <laughs> I just love the montage of coach of Roy getting to the getting to the the field getting to Nelson Road. Oh my gosh, that montage. That montage was so great. He just he gives up all of his cash, he gives up his watch. He's just like cuz he knows he's never going to make it on his <laughs> I'll knee. tell you what Nikki Six said but in behind the in behind the music. You got to date your wife. Um I love that he finally accepts the ticket that Ted has been putting behind the the ticket counter for him under Reba McIntyre. Um and I love that he gives the little kid a growl. And that and that dad will never will never know that nope. uh, Roy Kent was right there within arm's reach of him, and he probably won't even believe his kid. No, and, and that- he was arguing with that counter so much that he probably missed Roy Kent's entrance. Oh yeah, he was still at the counter when that happened. Yep. Uh, and then the only other thing I have before we go into it is it, I could have saved it for quotes, but I'm going to mention it now because I just I love it so much is in that scene with Rebecca Keeley and Nate as Rebecca and Keeley are trying to give Nate that confidence. And Rebecca does the stand on her toes and she makes herself big. Yeah. And she does that. The look on Keeley and Nate's face of just utter awe. And shock and Keely's response is, fuck, you're amazing. Let's invade France. Let's invade France. I love it. I love it so much. Keely's the best. I love Keely so yeah. much. Juno Town. I I know she's in this season of Fargo with John Hamm. Um, and I heard this season of Fargo is fantastic. And you don't I have to have Fargo. seen the Chris Rock season was fantastic. Well, I've heard you don't need to have seen previous seasons. They're no, like it's anthologies. An anthology. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I do want to watch Fargo at one point. Uh so I'm I'm I'll probably start with this season. Cause it you is over. Definitely now. watch the Chris Rock season though. Chris Rock can act. Oh, Chris Rock well, can act his ass off. Well, he is excellent in that season. That's the only season of Fargo we ever saw because I heard Chris Rock was really good and I was like, I gotta see it to believe it. Who else is in that season? I don't know. Chris Rock. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I watched it like two years ago, maybe. So I don't know. Okay. But yeah, I, I love John Hamm and I love Judo Temple. So like that's enough. And knowing that it's an anthology, I'm like, okay, I'll watch this season of Fargo. And it's over awesome. now, so I can binge it. Yay. I'm going to watch it then too. I didn't know that she was in it. And I like John Hamm. I love if anybody Hamm. wants to hang, I'll be at Sizzler. What, what are these? Sizzler. <laughs> I'll be at Sizzler. <laughs> I love John Hamm. He's a t- dude is so underrated as an actor. I, I love really, him. really, really don't like Mad Men, but I do like John Hamm. I've never seen Mad Men, and I would watch it for for him. I'll tell you the movie. I know it's the you, treatment of women. I can't handle it on that show. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty confident you've seen this movie. Fucking tag. 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 Yeah. Tag is good. That, the, Jeremy Renner. Is Jeremy why Renner. Tag Jake is good. Johnson. Um, Jake Johnson's in Tag. Yeah. He's one of the four guys. It. I missed it. And I think Hannibal Burris is the fourth one. Um okay. is the other friend. You Jeremy know that's Ren- based on you know that's based on a true story. I do. 
I do know that. See, I know things. <laughs> Let's go to spoilers. Yeah. All right. So for those of you that uh, are watching for the first time, we're going to take a break into spoiler territory. So just check the show notes when to uh, to know when to come back. Um, and I'm going to kick it off with this. We we're seeing Rebecca. We we mentioned how Sam is not really in this episode, but he, he is kind of is <laughs> because as we're going to find out, that is who Rebecca is talking to. On Although banter. they do a good job of of leading Hinting us to believe that, it's, that Ted. it's Ted. Yeah, I have that in my notes. They have the hint that it could be Ted because mm-hmm. Rebecca is responding with a smile on her face, and the very next scene is Ted texting on his phone with the same smile on his face. Yep they hint very well that it could be Ted, Rebecca. And you know what? At that moment, I was kind of okay with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It would have like, been a little too cliche for me. A little too on the nose with the whole rom-com energy that they were bringing to the episode. Okay. Yeah. I, could, I, I think that, that the biggest shock is that it's 19-year-old Sam. Is he 19 at that point, though? I think he's 20 at this point. Oh, I'm sorry. He's 20. Excuse me. He's either 20 or 21. I can't remember. I think he does say it when they're addressing each other about, like, how they... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does He does eventually say how old he is. But um, I, I do like it that they're starting to dance around, you know, football. Oh, you're a football fan. Who's mm-hmm. your team? And she's like, that's too personal. And I thought that was a perfect... Uh, answer to it but what i but what i love about it what i love about the conversation and knowing now who it is on the other mm-hmm. side of it is that the fact that like both sam and rebecca are trying to be themselves without revealing everything about right. themselves like because Keely, she, they're both very famous very well-known people yeah. like keely even says like just tell them you own Wrexham and you're fucking fit yeah it, you know but at the same time like sam is not revealing that he plays football professionally Mm -hmm. like when she said i'm at a football game i'm at a football match he could have very easily said like oh that's funny because i play football professionally right they're not they're they're both two people who want someone to not to know them and like them and respect them for who they are and not not what they do do. Mm mm-hmm and that says so much about both Rebecca and Sam. They're, those two complement each other so well. And it was very sad that they couldn't continue their relationship. But at the same time, I was really glad when it was over because the age difference really bugged me. I feel like I do. I do feel like that by the end of it, it is absolutely something that both of them needed. To get to where they end up. 100%. Yes. Sam wouldn't have opened up his restaurant if he wasn't with Rebecca and got that confidence that Rebecca probably gave him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Rebecca wouldn't have had the confidence to go after who she ends up with, um, with the pilot, if she hadn't had that experience with Sam. Yeah. And I like it that I don't think they ever went public either. No, because I think even in the finale of this season, when Sam is addressing Rebecca, but he's doing it through Ted. Yeah. Ted even says, like, I think he was talking to you. Like, even yep. Ted is kind of a little taken back by by it, because that's his yeah. realization that this happened. Right, right. But, I mean, very few people knew about this relationship. 
the whole yeah. way through, the whole way through. And it's not a relationship that I think could have gone public without. Without being scrutinized. That be- Without that becoming the story and not Richmond being the story. It would have been tabloid fodder. Exactly. And I, and I think that escaping that going around that, you know, the, this whole show does a really good job of not being a tabloidy soap opera kind of show. They stick Mm. to the script of the team. Yeah. Um, and I really respect that out of the show because they could have gone into a couple different directions with some of their storylines, but they they streamlined their story. And it's why this show is so, so successful. Well, and it's also one of the reasons why I'm kind of glad as much as and I was one of them, as much as everybody wanted more to the story when it ended. I'm OK with the fact that we didn't get more. Like, I'm okay that they didn't just say, like, all right, let's just do a fourth season of Ted Lasso because everybody wants it. It's like, no, they had a three-season story to tell. It was written that way, which means they concentrated on all the points that needed to be made. Yep. And put distinct, like, expression on everything that it worked out well that it was only three seasons. I think if you tried to add more, you would have just spread thin everything you already had. Right. And it was the show packs a punch for a reason. Yeah. I mean, and as we're, as we're discovering, as we go along, you know, similar to, I think lost a little bit in that, like, as we're progressing forward, we're seeing these little seeds that are planted along the way to what they become later, whether it be in season two or in season three, Mm. we're seeing like season one is planting the garden. Season three is tending the garden. And season four is or season three is or season two is, um, is like is is uh, I see what is, you're is, saying is, is treating the garden. Season three is harvesting the yeah. garden. Mm-hmm. You know, you're planting the field. You're you're har- you're. Why do I keep forgetting that word? Tending to it. Tending um, to you're tending yeah. to the the field. Season three is harvesting the field. Like yeah. it's it's a growth cycle and it works incredibly well. I agree. Yeah, and and this relationship was just a vehicle to get these two characters to where they needed to be. Mm-hmm. And it works beautifully. And their professional relationship is not changed and they still have deep respect for each other. Um and I love that nothing is ever really affected from that. Yeah. Well, even Sam could have left the team. He didn't. Yeah. Yeah, he has the opportunity. He has uh, and an almost can't miss opportunity. Like the fact that he turned it down really shows who t- Sam Obasanya is as a character. Yeah. And, and then we learned it was the right decision. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. God, that moment <laughs> when he turns him down and like, he's literally strangling a mannequin <laughs> to, to show that it could have been Sam. Like, yeah. Like, that is the most immature thing that's Dunstan. ever seen. It is. I just think of him as Dunstan. He's Dunstan. Dunstan. Every time I see him, you're Dunstan. Yeah. It's uh, but you know, like even in real life, like it's uh, Sam and Rebecca is a prime example that even in real life, like you go into a relationship, you start to date somebody, and whether it's serious or it's casual, when it ends, you might be disappointed in that moment. But when you look back at the things you learned from mm. that relationship, and you take into the next one. You know, it's it's a learning experience, and that's exactly yeah. what that is with Sam and Rebecca. Yeah, agreed. It is. Wow, Sam and Rebecca. That's cheers. 
I just realized Oh my that. gosh, it is. It's That's, Cheers. That, that was not. Although Sam and Rebecca never date in Cheers. Um, Rebecca is Kirstie Alley. They don't? No. Sam and Rebecca never date in Kirstie Alley. Oh, I Alley. thought they did. In, in, uh, in Cheers. Sam and Diane date. Well, yeah. But it is, again, it's, a, it's Sam and Rebecca. I wonder if that was intentionally another reference to Cheers. That would be interesting. That's a good question to ask. If you ever get the opportunity, that's a very good question. Well, ask. I'll ask my buddy Brett when I see him this week. Oh, okay. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, he'll know. He'll know. I forgot that you- He is a writer. Uh, he, well, he, yeah. Executive story editor. He is a writer on the show. So that yeah. would be interesting. That, that that actually would be a good question to ask. If Sam and Rebecca were two references to Cheers. Two more references to Cheers. Has to be. I would think so. Has to be. Um, what else you got for spoilers? That was kind of mine. Um, let's talk about Nate. Maybe <laughs> let's talk about Nate. We? And yeah. Well, okay, listen. <laughs> I mean, we've alluded to it the entire the entire um episode, right? But I mean, at least now we can just say Nate leaving by the end of this season. And start and and Rupert taking advantage of that crack in the Lasso Foundation. In a rewatch, I one hundred percent see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Oh, it I didn't happened. see it coming at all. No, I was shocked when it happened the first time around. But during this rewatch, it is all over the place to see. Well, we in, just weren't it, paying attention because nobody pays attention to Nate. Yeah. And I think that's actually brilliantly done it because I was the same way. Like in the first watch, I didn't even see the downward spiral that Nate was on. Me neither. I and was now, just on the lasso high. Yeah. And now we're, you're right. Like I didn't see it coming at all. And now rewatching it and diving into it. Oh, the signs were there totally from the start. They're everywhere. And the fact that, Beard didn't get involved. The fact that Ted didn't see it happening when he sees everything happening shows how invisible Nate really was to this team. Mm -hmm. He was 100% taken for granted. Nobody was mentoring him. Nobody was taking him seriously. Yeah, he had this coach job, but nobody really took what he had to say with any sort of weight, you know? I mean, the the I, I can... I hate saying this because I hate Nate so much, but I can see it. No, and I I agree with you because even going back and like when you watch that scene in the finale for this episode or for the season, when he gives Ted that speech about how you you abandoned me, like you know you didn't put up the picture, you you kind of just abandoned who I was, you groomed me and then you abandoned me. Yeah. The first time you watch that, you're like, you're such a dick. Like he gave you everything. If it wasn't for Ted, you would be nobody. But as you rewatch this season, you're like, yeah, there are signs there that as much as what Ted, as much as what Nate did was a horrible, bad move, he's kind of not wrong. Right. He just handled it wrong. Yeah. And there that's because nobody showed him how to handle stuff like this. Yeah. His dad is a dick. His mom is an enabler. His bosses don't see him. The women that he tries to court think that he's a joke. I can see how he would get to this point. Yeah, I can too. I Upon the rewatch, I can see it. I hate saying that. And it's still heartbreaking because you're right. Like it, 
I, you, we see it coming, but handling it the wrong way is the is the proper response to it. Yeah. Because after they win that game and Nate is not in the locker room, and the first thing Ted sees when he goes into the office is the believe sign torn in two. Oh, it's such a hard moment. And upon first watch makes what Nate makes Nate even worse. And again, whether Nate is right in his in in his thought process about everything, which he we we just mentioned, he kind we kind of see it. We kind of agree with him a little bit. Tearing that sign in two. Totally the wrong move because that doesn't punish Ted. That punishes the team. But everything he does is the wrong move because it's all done out of a place of anger and hurt. And when you do things out of anger and hurt, you're never going to make the right decision. Yeah. You have got to calm down first and think. Once you can think rationally, then you make big decisions. You never, ever, ever make a decision in anger. I've yeah. learned that the hard way way too many times. I've I've learned that lesson a number of times as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's one of the reasons why, you know, just being a little, you know, personal here at this moment, I, when I, I don't speak to my father, we've talked about that. We've addressed yeah. that. And I knew it took me a long time to shake being incredibly stubborn and yelling. A lot. I had anger issues, and it's because yeah. I grew up in a home where the only way to get your point across was to scream it. It's right. not a good environment to be brought up in. And even when you leave that environment, you still take that with you. Yeah. It doesn't go away the moment you leave. Like mm-hmm. that, it's ingrained with you. It took me a long time to shake that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I can see, like it's just how he handled things was not the way to do it. But like you said, no one showed him how to handle this. Right. That he was, and coming from that place of anger that you mentioned is not a good place to come from. It's not the way to handle things. Right. Absolutely. And unfortunately, he just wasn't seen he wasn't he just wasn't seen. I mean yeah. even when he went to his his office, if you pay attention to Nate in that scene when Ted and Beard are talking, Nate is devastated in his office. He's devastated. Yeah. And he- it's clear as day through the window that he's upset and he's still not being paid any mind. I can see how that can lead somebody to do something crazy. Yeah. 100% now, again, I cannot stress this enough. What Nate does is just over the top. And I'm so glad he came back from it and apologized. I think this the one the one real misstep of this show is that it didn't happen sooner in the third season. I like they waited until the penultimate of the series and I just should have happened. It should have happened sooner. Mm, and I, that's just me. Yeah, I, and I, and I kind of disagree with that. Like I and see, okay. you know, in in part one of season three, we see him working with Rupert at is it Manchester or Man City? It's Manchester, right? I don't I know. It's, well, no, Manchester is Man City. Um, or no, it's not. I don't know. I, I forget what team Rupert had. Um, 
but you know, seeing him as that coach taking it and then stepping away from it on his own, like not being fired. He steps away from the team on his own. We get that time afterwards that I think for Nate to come back almost immediately to AFC, we miss out on Nate growing a little bit. Nate needed to grow into a person for himself that didn't rely on being a person of importance. Nate Mm -hmm. needed to learn who he was as a person without football. Mm -hmm. And And we did get a little bit of that, but we didn't get enough. Well, and and surprisingly, a big proponent of that is Jade. I know. I know. She like, and, and, and it's so weird how she just like turns a dime. Like she's so awful and mean and standoffish. And then all of a sudden she's in love with him. I just, it, 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 it's not a very organic or natural relationship. And I don't know if it was a miscast or maybe they didn't have chemistry. I don't know what it was. It does seem to come out of nowhere. It does come out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, she has open like vitriol for him. And then all of a sudden she loves him. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, maybe, I, don't, I don't know. It, I don't maybe know we'll it feel differently about it when we rewatch season three. Yeah, because there's not a lot of it I remember, to be honest. I haven't rewatched it once since I, it aired. I have rewatched the series finale a number of times, but yeah, I haven't rewatched the entirety of season three yet. Yeah. I'm excited so, to get there. I am too. I really am. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so maybe you're right. Maybe we'll take another look at it as we go forward, and, we'll, and maybe we'll, we'll change our mind, and that's okay. We'll see something different. That's the whole yeah. point of doing this. Uh, let me see I, if I had any other spoilers. Um, I had Jane. I had Nate. It says, "Uh, Nate, let's just talk about Nate." That's what my spoiler <laughs> chat says. Um, I have every yep. bullet point on my notes. Crossed. I'm done. Off. Oh, I do have uh, one thing. Why is this episode called Lavender? <laughs> this episode should be called Rainbow. <laughs> okay. So for those of you listening, very rarely do I ever edit anything out of these podcasts. However, <laughs> we did have to start over because as we did the intro, Kristen called the episode Lavender, not Rainbow, <laughs> and then proceeded with the intro almost immediately. We weren't even a minute into recording initially. No, we weren't. When she says, why was this episode called Lav? I don't know why this episode was called Lavender. And my response was, um, because it's not. It's called Rainbow. <laughs> and we actually had to start over. <laughs> <laughs> because Kristen had the entire wrong t- title I of did. the episode. Oh, man, I was so confused. <laughs> so confused. Um, but we are back from spoilers. So if you are, if you're rejoining us now, um, I didn't do this during the main discussion, so I'll do it now. Just I'll do it quick because I know you're eh, when it comes to rom-coms. Um, just to give you a quick rundown of the, just the quick references that they make, uh, during Ted's rom-communism speech, rom-communism, uh, <laughs> that was great. Uh, he mentions a bunch of actors who are known for the rom-com genre, uh, in Kate Hudson, Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. Uh, that's a great reference, Danny, and not a bit too, not a bit too late. Um, not a bit too late. Um, Matthew McConaughey, a bunch of other actors in there. Um, let's see. Um, uh, the the Rilke, I think, is the name of the author that 
Rebecca mentions. I don't know. Um, uh, that is a nod to Four Weddings and a Funeral because that is a there is a poem by the same author in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, let's see. Uh, they, they're saying that the whole Nate storyline with A Taste of Athens is a nod to Pretty Woman. Uh, the fact that Ted and uh, Roy are in a Middle Eastern cuisine is evoking uh, things from the falafel restaurant, and she's all that. Uh, let's see. The Titanic mentioned the Titanic. We uh, Titanic scene we mentioned with the two older couples. That is a nod to Titanic and when Harry met Sally. Uh, let's see. When... Uh, Renee Zellweger gets a nod in the opening speech, but the whole thing with Ted race or with Roy racing to the AFC Richmond game is reminiscent of Bridget Jones, the edge of reason where she rushes after her lover in a taxi before a whole bunch of other chaos ensues. Um, and then of course the, you had me at coach was uh, emulating Jerry Maguire and we get Ted's speech which is uh, a bunch of nods to some movies such as Notting Hill, When Harry Met Sally, Jerry Maguire, and The Princess Bride. So there are, and I'm sure there's others that we missed in there I as well. I don't think Princess Bride is a rom-com, but... I do. I totally do. Nah. Yeah. No, because I like that movie. <laughs> I love that movie. I've been on stage with two of the biggest member, two of the main cast of that movie. Andre the Giant? No. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, Carrie Wes Owls. Carrie Owls and Chris Sarandon. Uh, Wesley and Prince Humperdinck. Oh, I thought you were going to say um, Robin Wright. No, but that would have been awesome. So. Um, so we've said a lot of these quotes so oh, far. Oh, I have a lot. One of them that I really liked was... Um, uh, what the hell are we going to do here with Roy anyway? Same thing when you do same thing you do when you cross an elephant with a rhinoceros. Elephano. Elephano. Uh, <laughs> I love during the rom-con communism speech. Uh, they say the three Kates. Yeah. Beckinsale, Hudson, Winslet. You forgot Blanchett. Different spelling. <laughs> That's true. Different <laughs> spelling. Yeah. Uh, Coach Lasso, is Isaac okay? No, ma'am, he is not. He's a wigwam and a teepee right now. What does that mean? He's too tense. Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ted and Beard. I, I love their friendship. Yeah. I have that too. What does that mean? He's too tense. Boom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. That's a great call, Danny, and not a beat too late. Um, I do see. love it when he says that. And and I love it that uh, Danny Rojas is like, yeah, yeah, I said that. It's good. <laughs> I told you, either take, either you take down my photo or you start giving me free kebabs. Seven fifty, mate. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, why are you bothering me so much at my kebab place? This is like my church. Who knew transubstantiation could happen with a pita? <laughs> uh, what do you think about joining the coaching staff? Fuck off. Mm, that's a solid negotiation tactic, right there. <laughs> I have zero, I mean, nil interest. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, this is Isaac. 
These are all the other fucks. <laughs> You're with them. Uh, um, you're trying to make me blah, blah, blah. No interest. You're really not. You're really not playing games. Maybe a little. I'm sorry, Roy, but I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life coaching with someone, you want to spend the rest of your life to begin ASAP. Please stop. You complete our team. You're an asshole. I'm just also a coach standing in front of boy asking him if, listen, I'm never coming back to Richmond. Not now. Not ever. Now fuck off. As you wish. As you wish. I had that in mind too. Uh... Uh, oh, <laughs> this is another one. Uh, I brought you here to remind you that football is a fucking game that you used to play as a fucking kid because it was fun, <laughs> even when you were getting your fucking legs broken or your fucking feelings hurt. <laughs> so fuck your feelings, fuck your overthinking, fuck all that bullshit. Go out there and have some fucking fun. <laughs> all right, game one. Was that all right? That was great. Tony Fox. I don't know. Kind of like all the nipples in that movie, Showgirls. Halfway through, you don't even notice. That's true. You just kind of of get sucked into the narrative. (laughs) I dated Gina Gershon once. That makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) I have a friend like that. I have a friend from way back in the day in my 20s where every third word out of her mouth was, was fuck. Yeah. And after a while, you don't really hear it. You don't hear it at all. Even on the day of my wedding when she was, you know, saying it in front of kids, even my parents were just like, that's that's just who she is. You know, like they they didn't they got to the point where they didn't even hear it anymore. You know? Yeah. So it was just it it's it's funny. It's when you have a Roy Kent in your life, you don't hear it anymore. You kind of get you get desensitized to it. Yeah. Um I have three more. I don't know if you have any more. No, born caffeinated. We already said. Yeah, that's. I love that one. <laughs> I love Ted and Doctor Sharon. Uh, how am I feeling? I don't know. You know, I'm just dealing with the terror of knowing that this of what this world is all about. You know, watching a few fr- a few good friends screaming to let them out. So you're feeling under pressure. Ba 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 do. Like he, just, <laughs> he just quotes the song under pressure. Uh, this one's from when Roy was still a pundit. Uh, let's round off the Premier League with Arsenal headed to the road to Newcastle, where the 17-year-old Matthew Kerr will make his debut. They're calling him the Irish Ronaldo. What can we expect today? Well, I think we can expect to see a commanding performance from the lad. Roy, do you think he'll? What do you think he'll do today? I don't know. He's 17. He'll probably have chips for dinner and a wank before bed. <laughs> <laughs> and then the only other one I have is after is after Roy gets his ticket and he goes to give the ticket to the people. They're like, enjoy the game. Fuck you. It is you. It is you. <laughs> I'm Roy Kent. I don't think so. <laughs> it kind of does look like him in the mouth a bit. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, all right. Well, that takes us then into the feedback section of the podcast in which we have the couple, which is good. Uh, nothing from Greg or your husband this week. No. So nothing from Dave, but that's all right. Um, do you want to split the feedback stuff, the Facebook stuff, or do you want to do it? I definitely don't want to do the last one. My Um, voice is slowly leaving me. So, okay. Then how about this? How about I do the, the, uh, the two long ones? I'll do Lindsay. You do Lindsay. Okay, then I'll yeah. start with Jeff. Okay. 
And then this way I'll do the, the long one as well. Cause there is one that's rather long. Um, so then the first one comes from our friend Jeff Allen and he says the song she's a rainbow is indelibly tied to this episode for me as stuck in the middle with you is to reservoir dogs. That's a good one. Yes. Uh, or, or come and get your love with guardians. That's another good <laughs> one. Uh, when Roy turns back to Jeff Stelling and whispers, I have to go. <laughs> and the song kicks into gear. That's when the tears start flowing. And he nods. He nods. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he gives him the nod that he has. He, know, he knows he has to go. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay Schlicht says, when I realized this was going to be a Nate-focused episode, I wasn't thrilled. Much like you, Kristen, I never really came back around to Nate. In fact, I still can't stand him. The spitting at the mirror was so creepy to me. I don't really care what redemption he gets later. It's hard for me to forget such deeply disturbing stuff. That being said, all the non-Nate stuff made the episode great as usual. My favorite part of the episode was Rebecca teaching Nate how to be big and Keely's reaction. I was totally on the same page with Keely. Let's go and fade France. She is hilarious. Just loved seeing Roy's lesson for McAdoo turn back onto himself, reminding him what he loved about this sport. So glad Roy is a coach now. This is where he really shines for me. 100%. Agreed. 100%. Uh, And lastly, from Facebook, Alex Kruger uh, says, this is one of my all-time favorite episodes. It also sets so much in motion for the rest of the series slash season. Uh, The first time I saw it, I remember how uncomfortable it made me to realize how deep Nate's sense of self-loathing was. Still, I wonder what would have happened if Keeley had taken him to Dr. Sharon as opposed to Rebecca for help. On the flip side of that, what if, is what if Ted had let Doc care for Isaac instead of Roy? She would have fixed Isaac's issue, sure, but then Ted wouldn't have shown Roy what his true post-career purpose was. This episode introduced introduced me to She's a Rainbow and is one of my favorite songs when I'm looking for something sweet to play when I'm with my partner. That's really sweet. Uh, It's crazy that someone so unapologetically kind and sweet like Higgins was ever Rupert's mistress secret keeper. Mm. Higgins really is the best. That's a good point, too. Uh, Lastly, I wanted to share the list of rom-com references I saw on the TV Tropes website, which is another reason why Kristen doesn't want to read this one. Uh, Reference overdose. The whole episode is wall-to-wall shout-outs to various romantic comedies. (laughs) Established early on when Ted brings up the topic of rom-communism, and everyone starts spouting their favorite rom-com actors. Hanks, Ryan, Roberts, Grant, Barrymore, McConaughey, Kate's Winslet, Beckinsale and Hudson, Blanchett, different spelling, and Zellweger. Uh, Rebecca's banter conversation is between Boss Girl and LDN152, a nod to Shop Girl. Oh, I didn't realize that one. Uh, and NY152 that handles the romantic leads of You've Got Mail. Uh, the episode ro- randomly focuses on an old couple who tells the story, similar to the old couple when Harry met Sally. When Ted tries to get Roy to join the team, he uses lines from Jerry Maguire. The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, uh, and Notting Hill. When he ends up joining the team at the end, he riffs on the line from Jerry Maguire, you had me at coach. Uh, earlier at the restaurant, Ted tells the worker he'll have what, you, what Roy's having. There's a montage of strangers meeting up with their loved ones before the Richmond game, akin to the airport scene in Love Actually. Before Roy leaves to make his race for your love, he tells his colleague, I have to go, which is what Annie says when she leaves her disposable fiance, Walt. Oh, that's Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, and great work on this rewatch team. 
Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Alex, for because there's a couple of those that I missed. So, like, I missed the um, the shop girl on NY152 from You've Got Mail. I have seen like two of those movies. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna guess Love Actually. Nope, never saw oh. it. Okay, Jerry Maguire. Saw it. Princess Bride. Saw it. Any yeah, other that's ones? it. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Look, if you don't like rom-coms, you don't like rom-coms. It's fine. It's I'm totally sorry. Fine. Yeah, don't be sorry. <laughs> don't be sorry. I'm sorry, audience. <laughs> I I am not a very good girl. I've I've said that a million times. Uh, but we do still have one more piece of feedback, and that of course comes from our friend Steve Brown. So let's listen Steve! to that now. Oh, Ben and Kristen, this is Steve, and thank you so much for explaining the whiteboard for me. I don't know how many times I tried to pause it to see what what was on that whiteboard, uh, and I never got it. So thank you for explaining that to me. But uh, now we're on to the next episode, Rainbow. Oh, right away, the Lavender. song playing says Rainbow, title of the episode, Mic Drop. I don't know, is it Mic Drop It's a song that's playing? I think so. <laughs> I forgot the, the woman's name is Jade, and it's the 30th anniversary, so it's Jade. <laughs> the very beginning of this interaction between uh, Nate and this uh, associate, uh, what do they call him? Roy is a pundit. It's just so not good. No, Nate's going to turn nasty, but that's just, uh, it's just poor form. Oh, if Roy Kent ever wants the table, let, we'll let him know. We'll give him the table, but not you. I noticed their kits are, are now uh, sponsored by Banter, that app, right? I'm not a big fan of rom-coms either, uh, Kristen. I'm with you <laughs> on that one. Ted, he's so full of positivity. It will. Everything will work out. This this conversation, Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday, is just hilarious. <laughs> I had to pause because we do see see here there is a, it's a little bit demeaning the way um, Ted just kind of laughs at Nate considering himself a big dog. I, but again, there's not enough things that add together to what Nate does. Okay, again, I know every week I'm saying something about the beauty of Hannah Waddingham. How tall is she? She's tall. Yes, read these texts. They're going by too fast. The ones with Hannah, between Hannah and uh, her. I won't say who it is because that's spoilery. But I mean, Rebecca. I keep saying Hannah. The character is Rebecca. Oh, there it is. Rebecca just said rainbow again. I know she said the title of the, the song, the Rolling Stones, see that she's a rainbow, but it counts. Mic drop. Okay. <laughs> the story of Higgins and how he met his wife is hilarious. Keely has her own office, but I'm sure Higgins still doesn't. <laughs> the name of the town is Tooting. <laughs> I love that Roy just called it GIFs and Ted corrected him. You know, most people call it GIFs. So, I mean, I've, I've heard it both ways. So that's my subtle psych reference there. A Dunner kebab. What is Dunner? I, obviously, Dunner means good in the UK, but I've never heard that before. Becca teaching Nate to make himself big. I wish I had some of this uh, advice when I was in the military and I was middle management. It would have helped. It's invade France. I love Keely's response to Hannah's getting big. <laughs> Ooh, the side eye is always... I can never do a side eye. Ed and McAdoo, Isaac, are talking about Roy and his side eye acting. Whoa, it is good. I don't get this. Nate's getting big is spitting himself in the mirror. I just, oh, ew. wow. Roy uses the F word a lot <laughs> in this rant toward Isaac. Um, yeah, Kristen, this might not be one that your kids are watching. <laughs> Even Roy asked too many fucks. <laughs> I love the Notting Hill reference from uh, from Ted. Okay, yeah, there are some rom-coms that I like. That one, Hugh Grant. Um, uh, gosh, the woman. Julia anyway. Roberts. 
Notting Hill. I, I do like that one. What does a British owl say? <laughs> That's an interesting bit of, of editing there. They show Rebecca is editing, is texting to her banter contact and uh, Ted looking at his phone. Continuing history that is his beard. Lumberjack championship. <laughs> Love Roy quitting on air. Of course, he's a rainbow is playing. I'm not going to count all the mic drops because it's a song. <laughs> that knee, to hear that knee. Oh, I'm sorry. This is going really long, but to hear Roy's knee go the way it did. Oh, and all those stairs he's climbing with that knee. I go, oh, oh, you had me at coach. Oh, more rom-com callbacks. <laughs> and it just abruptly ends. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, what did he say? Oh, gosh, yeah. The the Lumberjack Championship. I totally forgot about that. I totally <laughs> I for, forgot about I that. I forgot about that one, too. Yeah. So... But thank you, Steve and uh, and Alex and Lindsay and Jeff and everybody for leaving feedback. Uh, if you want to leave us feedback for future episodes or just to talk about something we've already talked about, easiest way to do that, go to revisitedpod.com. There you can find links on how to leave feedback, listen, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Or you can just email us directly, feedback at revisitedpod.com. And again, I want to hear where you side on the side of rom-coms. Mm. That is my request for this week. Most uh, people like them. If you leave us feedback this week, uh, tell us where you fall on rom-coms. That's, that's my request. Uh, recommendations before we get out of here this week. Anything on your end? Uh, don't get the flu. Sucks. That's good. That's good recommendation for every day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have anything other than that. I've spent the week in a flu-dazed stupor. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. Um, I, I'll I'll mention it just because it was brought up in this episode. If you have Hulu and the or the ability to watch, watch Welcome to Wrexham, which is the documentary series on um, AFC Richmond or A, yeah, AFC Richmond Wrexham uh, AFC, the team that's mentioned owned by Rob McElhenney and Rob and Ryan Reynolds. Um, two seasons are out of the show. The show is excellent, and they just won like five Emmys for that show. Wow. So it's really well done and it follows the team and you really discover that like these guys didn't buy this team just on a whim. They are completely invested in this. They're not just invested in the team. They're invested in the town of Wrexham, which is great. Yeah. So if you have the ability to watch it, whether it's on Hulu or however else it's, it is an FX series. Uh, my recommendation, go check out. Welcome to Wrexham. It's a great series on this team. Um, and 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 following the team and there and Ryan and Rob aren't even really a large part of it. It's actually more about the team and the town. All right. They don't put a big. I mean, obviously in the beginning they do because it covers them purchasing the team, and they're in it throughout. But the big focus on the series is more on the team and the town than anything else, which is probably why it won the Emmys. That it did. Uh Anything else before we get out of here? No. No. I'm good. It's, it's a I'm relatively lo- Yeah, it's a relatively longer episode this week. Yeah, sorry. Uh, we had one last week too with the Christmas episode. But we'll try these and tighten e- up next week. These episodes are getting longer now too, though. Yeah. Like we're not into half hour episodes anymore. Like we're going into like 40, 45 minute long episodes. So but we'll, we'll yeah, still we will. try to tighten up. Yeah, we'll still try to tighten up starting next week. Um Hey, um, if you're not already following Wilhelm, 
make sure you're following wilhelmpodcast.com. Kristen will be joining me next week to fu- to record the best of 2023 episode. Uh, and my friend Brandy is going to be joining us as well. We're going to be revealing our top five favorite movies and television series from 2023. Uh, it's going to be the season kickoff for Wilhelm. So it's going to be the introduction to a new season. And then after that, I got a bunch of episodes coming after that. Uh, panels, interviews, more top fives, movie reviews, stuff like that. Next week on this podcast, I will also talk about, uh, I'll give you like a little bit of a rundown to uh, to the Brett Goldstein show. Yay, uh, I can't wait. It's called The Second Greatest Night of Your Life. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what that's all about. Uh, next week, also Ted Lasso, season two, episode six, The Signal is the next episode we're going to be covered. Uh, Also known as season two, episode six, Lavender. Shut up. It's going to be every episode from here on out. Uh, (laughs) Season two, episode six, Carol of the Lavender. Perfect. Can't (laughs) wait. Everything will be lavender. With that being said, thank you as always for listening, subscribing, all that you guys do. But until next week, we'll see you guys out on the pitch. Take care. Namaste. Bye-bye.